Hey, hey, you're back. This is Human Nurture. I'm Jason Brand, couples therapist. We're asking the question, how does a couples therapist learn to do their job? So we're going to do that by discussing clinical material, i.e. the first Charlie and Yale interview. However, this isn't a couples therapy session, and you should not be using this for clinical advice or counseling. It's here for entertainment and education only. If you're having relationship or personal challenges, please seek the help of a licensed therapist. Today, we've got a consultant interview with Beth O'Brien. Beth is out of Fort Collins, Colorado. She's a level three trained pack therapist. She's highly trained in trauma therapy. And I found out in this interview that she's also a yoga teacher. So I've always known Beth to be a highly skilled therapist and a relatable person. What I found out in this interview, though, is that she's also a really great teacher. We unpack the Charlie Niel interview and look at concepts like the window of tolerance, a couple of regulation strategies, and the bigger sort of overarching topic of trauma. Beth does a great job of making these concepts understandable. And most importantly, if you ask me, she explains them in the context of healing. So take a listen to my wonderful colleague and I discussing the first clinical interview with Charlie and Yell. Hello and welcome to the Human Nurture Podcast. My name is Jason Brand, and it is my great pleasure to introduce my friend and colleague, Beth O'Brien, to the show. Welcome, Beth. Hi, Jason. It's good to see you this morning. Good to see you, too. And Beth is a longtime PAC therapist, and we're going to be talking today about the interview that I did with Charlie and Yael. And I thought a good way to ground us today, Beth, is to focus on arousal regulation, because I think that there's a lot to look at in the interview that I did with Charlie and Yael about arousal regulation. And I'm hoping we can just start with, with a short introduction to kind of how PAC therapists think about arousal regulation and what is arousal regulation. So would you mind just talking about that a little bit? Yeah, so arousal regulation refers to our physiology, particularly our nervous system. And when we are talking with our partners, we wanna be in a place which is called in the window of tolerance. And the window of tolerance involves the extent to which your body feels calm and alert. That's the ideal state you wanna be when you're talking to your partner. My couples will say, when we're talking about important issues or we're talking about sensitive issues, right? Mm -hmm. So many times couples come to that discussion already feeling, aroused to some degree. And some arousal is good as long as they stay inside that window, which is calm and alert. Calm is obviously the kind of state of relaxation you feel in your body. And alert is bringing a certain amount of energy to the discussion or the communication. There are two ways that we go outside the window when we're talking with our partners. And one is by becoming hyper aroused and the other is, is becoming hypo-aroused. Mm -hmm. I frequently ask my couples if they have a tendency to go to one direction or another when they are getting upset in their discussion with their partners. So the hyper-aroused system, most people know what that refers to, but physiologically, the body's feeling a sense of being hyped up, a sense of being highly animated, and this often channels into a person gesturing a lot, big voice going loud, sometimes yelling going on, person completely outside the window, they're in a state of hyper arousal. So in terms of nervous system, we talk about that as activating the sympathetic nervous system. Person mm -hmm. is hyper aroused. 
The other state that people go into is a hypoaroused state. And you frequently see this where the person will start to shut down or withdraw. They may get quiet or look preoccupied. They're still very tense inside, but they turn inward. Mm-hmm. And in both of these states, when we're outside the window, our ability to reason, to judge well, to think is basically not accessible. Mm-hmm. So we moved, if you think about the what's called the triune brain, the three parts of the brain, that model, basically, instead of using the frontal cortex in our brain, we shift from using our old mammalian brain, okay? And that has to do with fight, flight, or freeze. So we're in that mode when we're outside the window. Great, great. And just the thing that we want, and you see this with Yale and Charlie, you want to be heard, you want to be understood by your Mm -hmm. partner. But when we go outside the window, either hypo or hyper aroused, we defeat that goal because we're just in total reaction mode. And that's when we say and do things that we regret. In fact, some couples will say after they've calmed down, do you know what that fight was all about? And the other partner will say, I have no idea. I don't even remember. (laughs) I mean, I said really stupid things. So did I, right? So it's a good example of our ability to reason is completely offline. That's why we want to stay in the window. I hope people can get a vision of that, which is that there's a window and then it's almost like there's two sound waves that are running simultaneously, one and one being going up the arousal spectrum and the other going down the arousal spectrum. And it's almost like we're playing together. Oh, you're going high. I know how to calm you down. You're going low. I know how to bring you back up. And Charlie and Yael, we could hear so much of the interview was about their the hard work that they're doing and and really they know each other they know themselves well but the hard work that they were that they do in order to stick together when there's something like their daughter is doing something that one of them is annoyed about or when they're at a restaurant and and the food is coming slowly or that this happens all the time and we're constantly as a couple we're when there's stress in the environment we're always trying to modulate kind of how do we behave together? Is that, does that kind of add a little meat to it? Does that, does that check out with yeah, you? I think that's really great, Jason. I think that's a, a good explanation for couples. And sometimes right. I actually draw a picture of a window and I'm, this is where you want to be, calm and alert, stay here. And it's a process of upregulating and downregulating in that window, not only ourselves, you know, not only are we aiming for what we call self-regulation, which is the ability to communicate with our partner and do it in a way that's not threatening, right? So we self-regulate and we co-regulate with our partner. And this is a key concept in PACT, the idea that we can calm our partner's nervous systems Mm -hmm. and bring out the best in each other. It's just a, a wonderful, wonderful concept. I do wanna talk about the arousal regulation issue with Yale and Charlie, it's right. It's the elephant in the room. But before we go into that, I do want to say how wonderful this couple is. So I saw them on video and mm-hmm. kind of from the waist up. So I got to see some of their body language. And in fact, we, we like to look at micro expressions on the face, but we like to look at the body from head to toe. And so um, doing telehealth, there's a certain disadvantage of that because we're not getting the whole picture. We're getting to see them from kind of halfway up. But I wanted to point to this couple's strengths because they have a lot of strengths. And so 
this elephant in the room that we'll talk about is something that they'll want to work on. It's something that, that they struggle with. But I did want to point out some of the really wonderful things uh, about this couple. They clearly love each other. Uh, they're very committed to each other. And Jason, you put them in a frame in the very beginning, and we can talk a little bit about that later. But a packed, when our packed frame, we like our couples facing each other. We like them to be eye to eye, face to face, and skin to skin. And by skin to skin, I mean the opportunity to touch each other, to use touch as a, a way to co-regulate. So you put them in that frame and the beautiful thing about this was they stayed in that frame the whole session. It's true, it's right? really true. Yeah, I mean, without any kind of prompting from you. So instead of looking at you as the person interviewing them and then talking to you about their partner, they were turned towards each other the entire time. So I could see that their listening skills are quite good. They were very thoughtful about each other's feelings, asking each other, is it okay to say this? Or can I talk about this? They were kind to each other. They were in the window, speaking of in the window of tolerance, during the whole interview. Mm -hmm. And there were times where one or the other would get more excited or more upset, but they were mostly in the window. Can you, just pause, can you pause there real quick, Beth? So what told you that? I'm just curious if you're watching the video or if you're in a session and somebody goes out of the window, what, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for states of hyperarousal or hypoarousal. You can do that just by looking at the way your partner breathes, for example. You can look at their facial expressions. You can look at where they're breathing from. Are they breathing from short, rapid breaths from their upper chest area? or are they having relaxed belly breaths, okay? So you're just looking at, that's a good example of looking at where they're breathing from, how relaxed their facial expression is. You can look at their uh, how they modulate their voice. Is it more of an even, calm, soothing voice? Or is the voice starting to get louder, quicker, more ramped up? Watch the partners and you can see whether they're staying connected each other eye to eye, or is one starting to pull away, move their chair back, get up and leave, um, starting to shut down, getting Great. super quiet and not talking anymore. That's very helpful. And the last thing I'm going to say, uh, strength is couples, they're very committed to each other. They're a blended family and they work well together. I'll talk about that later on because uh, that's blended family is one of the things that they present. I wanted to point out their strengths so that even though we're spending time on arousal regulation and what they can do about that, this couple has a lot of things going for them. I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I mean, there were not, cognitively just in terms of, they're also very, very smart and smart in terms of being able to just kind of, at one point, I had forgotten what the question was. Yael remembered the question and was able to answer it with emotion so I was so impressed. You can tell she's a teacher and a, and, and a math teacher. There's a kind of A plus B equals C feel that's, that's and, and it doesn't feel, um, it just feels very human. It's really yeah. very yeah. remarkable. Yeah. And Charlie's emotional intelligence and ability to kind of bring it back to, you know, both himself, but also the other person in the room. I was very impressed by them and they're young and they got, and they got a, at the time they had a seven month old. I mean, this was a month yeah. ago, but I mean, so they, they're up late nights. I mean, they're hardworking people. It's just, I was totally impressed by them. Yeah. yeah. Um, She's very kind and comforting. You saw that throughout the video. And then um, Charlie is very emotionally expressive. 
Mm -hmm. right? You, you look at his face and you get a good sense of, of what he's feeling. He doesn't hold back emotion-wise. No, and I also really respect the, you know, the, there's an emotion in the room and let's really look at it. You know, I mean, I think that we're, I think we should now transition into sort of the emotional regulation between them because that's a lot of what, but, but I, I really applaud the person who, who says, no, you know, there's a big emotion. Let's explore it. How we explore it is, is the work, but the fact that it's there and that somebody feels it and wants to talk about it, especially a young dude is like, I think that's just, just fantastic. Um, I think it's fantastic too. It talks about their ability to trust each other and at times feel safe with each other, that they can mm -hmm. reveal each other in this way. It brings up another concept of signaling. We talk about that impact, whether someone's a low signaler you know, whether they are kind of keeping things to themselves or whether they are expressive, mm -hmm. either in their words or in their facial expressions. Mm -hmm. And so this couple does a really good job of signaling each other, right? Mm -hmm. And that allows them to stay tethered, right? In fact, we like to think of partners as being tethered to each other, mm -hmm. right? So that allows them to stay tethered. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's really nice watch, watching that. Yeah. Now, this is one of those sessions where five minutes in, there's already enough to talk about. I mean, it was, and, and what's so interesting about these five minute, you know, where you got, you got everything you need is right in front of you moments is that it often includes sort of the, the frame of the therapy or the interview. So, you know, a lot of the, in the beginning, before the recording started, Charlie was scrambling around trying to get the the camera right and trying to get the microphone right. And they had had a malfunction with one of their computers and, and, he, and he was working really hard and Yael was sort of more of the face person. Like she was smiley and sort of bubbly and they were a great team, but you could feel, I could feel as a therapist, there was an underlying something that was going on there that felt like um, it was just, it, the, as you said, the emotional regulation was the elephant in the room. So I, I'm, let's spend some time just kind of unpacking what we think was going on in terms of emotional regulation for the couple. Do you have, do you have any preliminary thoughts? I can certainly kick us off either way. Yeah. So I have a lot of thoughts uh, and would love to hear yours as well, Jason. I do want to say that to kind of clarify is that this is based on an hour and a half of observing them. So I want to clarify that my thoughts that I share and recommendations are more observations than hypothesis. In fact, therapy, it's so important for us not to make assumptions and, mm -hmm. and to really understand the dynamics of what's going on. So these are initial impressions to be oh, tested. No. Okay. I, I like that, to be <laughs> tested. That this is okay. the, the, where the rubber meets the road is how this actually works. Right. Yeah, great. I say to Yale and Charlie, take all of this with a grain of salt. The arousal regulation is a problem for them because they get anxious when they deal with conflict, okay? And both partners, I think, get outside the window a little bit. Although we didn't see this, we heard them describe situations in which they get outside the window. So he, Charlie, tends to go hyper-aroused. And he described this as he wants to be staccato. He goes staccato, he said. He's aggressive in wanting to be heard. But the problem with that is if you go too staccato, too much outside the window, too aggressive in your, in your expression, 
which they talked about him cursing, for example, talking rapidly, getting loud, that may end up being threatening to your partner. Okay, that's the problem with it. And I think Charlie has learned that he needs to exaggerate his communication in this way in order to be heard. But remember what we talked about earlier, the more he goes staccato, the less likely he's gonna be heard because what Yale does is she gets out of his way, right? Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of more of a kind of a shutting down response for her when Mm -hmm. this happens because he gets large, we talked about this, he gets large and she tends to get small when he gets large. So they pay a price in their relationship when they go in this direction. So one of the, the thoughts I wanna share with Charlie is Charlie, you don't need to, to go outside the window in that way. It's really important to modulate your volume, right? To modulate your volume. And this has to do with uh, self-regulating, right? communicating and he even said this i have to communicate in a way that she understands i mean Mm. he said it beautifully what the solution is Mm -hmm. i have to communicate in a way she understands because the way he's communicating with her is not working for her and the reason it doesn't work for her is it presses a button in her that comes from her history which Mm -hmm. means that i have to get out of the way and by the way yale i would say to you don't get out of the way You don't need to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Figure out a way to co-regulate with each other, right? You don't need to get out of the way. But what she does is she gets out of the way, and that results in her not being heard or expressing herself. And then it touches a button of for her that while Charlie's talking, she's feeling like he's not interested in her her opinions, where she comes from, et cetera. And this is an old issue from childhood with her, with her father, where she was almost invisible, right? You, you kind of get this sense that saying children should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. So interactions with dad, many, many loving interactions with him, obviously. So some interactions were do what I say, right? And, and not, hey, I want to know what you have to say. Right. Mm -hmm. So what they end up enacting in their couple relationship is their dynamic where they're both wanting to be seen and heard, but the way they do it is defeating. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. defeating what they both want and need. So they would really benefit from calming each other down. And she does a great job of that with him. So because I got to see the video, She would caress his face at times. She put her hand on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. And then this is a lovely thing that I saw going on. I didn't actually see it, but they reported it. It's their feet were touching, right? Mm -hmm. And I see this with my couples. They might be arguing or in our session, but I see them what I call holding feet, like holding Mm -hmm. hands, right? Mm -hmm. They're not comfortable enough to hold hands but their feet touch. And in other words, they stay tethered to each other. So I thought that was quite nice. That's an example of co-regulation. But if I were working with this couple, I would ask Charlie, what calms her down, Mm -hmm. right? Because she gets out of the way. What does that feel like for him when she gets out of the way? And is that a reenactment for him of being left? Mm -hmm. Right, We, we had that tender revealing moment when he talked about his mom leaving him in the hands of a stranger and not coming back for days when he was a kindergartner. Mm -hmm. So when Yale leaves the scene, 
What does that do to him? It's so important to him that he get her back in the room. But as long as he's staccato, she's not going to do that. She's going to want to get out of his way. So they got to figure out a new way of doing this. Mm -hmm. They they want to consider, for example, just taking a quick pause and saying, hey, you know, we're not getting anywhere here. It's really important when they do that, if they take a pause to talk about when they're going to come back so the other partner doesn't feel left or dismissed. Mm -hmm. So they might say, let's just take a five minute pause. I'm going to grab some water. You know, I'm a yoga teacher. So I might say, hey, I'm going to do a few yoga poses and then I'll be right back so that they can get back into the window. They can self-regulate, calm their nervous system, come back in a better place. But they can also co-regulate each other. Do you you want to talk about co-regulation, Jason? There's so much, there's so much there that I, that I want to get into. I think so. Yeah, and I think it can lead to a conversation about co-regulation. I, I had it real clearly in my mind about Charlie and what you were describing, that he's he really has a dilemma on his hands, which is that he's got to keep Yale close enough because he really um, relies on her for calming his nervous system. So he's got to keep her close enough to make that happen. But at the same time, he's got this internal big feeling of wanting to express something, right? And so it must be terribly frustrating, right? To I've got this big feeling, I gotta, I gotta express it. But every time I start to express it, I drive you away because of the way that it comes out. And then I have to pull you back in, which takes resources because he kept saying, you keep telling me that I have to say it in a particular way. You know, that, I, that I'm responsible for saying it to you in a way that you can hear it. And that sort of push and pull, push and pull that's going on inside of him, you know, I, I can really feel his dilemma. And I wonder yeah. if we could sort of do the same with Yael about sort of spell out what her dilemma is. She really wants to help him, right? Yeah, I think Yale struggles with what we call separation individuation. So that's a task that typically occurs for during late teens and young adulthood, where the young adult self separates, becomes their own person. I think Yale is her own person, Mm -hmm. but she struggles with the expression of that, right? So she's Mm -hmm. still in that struggle. She still hasn't mastered that developmental stage. And with Charlie, to the extent to which he gets too big, he goes hyper-aroused outside the window, that exacerbates that state because then she's not given room to express herself. Mm-hmm. So she desperately needs that room. She needs a coach, a cheerleader, and her partner who will say things like, okay, babe, that was my thing. Now I want to hear your thing. Right. What do you right. think? Right. Yeah. She needs that invitation and that support to express herself. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what one of the things that Charlie could do that would heal this early wound that occurred for Yale and not being seen, right? Mm-hmm. He can actually see her. He can invite her to contribute. Right? Yeah. I thought um, developmentally it was quite interesting. You know, I mean, one thing, so Yale meets Charlie at like 22, 23, and and she really sort of sniffs something out in Charlie, which is that he's mature and he's gone through, a, he's had a lot of life lessons at a young age. And, and in a way, it seems like she 
interrupted her own development at that 22, 23 stage, like you're saying, the separation and individuation, where she would have expressed her voice in a different kind of way. So it was like her development at that stage almost got hijacked or- It um, did. It did. I I agree with you 100%. And partly because in, in coming together with Charlie, she became a mom right away, her mm-hmm. mom figure, because Charlie has a daughter from a previous relationship. So some of that, so she was kind of thrown into that adult mode care, caregiving for someone else, which I think Yale's really good at. She's very nurturing. She's very tender. She's one of those persons that you can feel really safe with and soft with. And we saw that with Charlie and how emotional he was in talking about some of his childhood experiences. So yeah, I think it did get hijacked a little bit, but it's not too late because Charlie can support her own self activation, Mm -hmm. you know, by inviting her by saying, okay, that's enough about me. I want to hear about you. Or what do you think? Or let's make this decision together. Mm -hmm. You go first. Tell me what your thoughts are. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so he makes space for her to shine. Yeah. It's really quite, it can be really quite lovely for them to get in, in that place. The other thing I, I want to mention too is about this couple is during conflict, they tend to act from what we call a one person system. So I mentioned, I think they both come to conflict or differences with some level of anxiety, but they translate that anxiety into really looking out for themselves. Charlie talked a couple times about how he protects himself. She tends to get quiet and get small, right? So they kind of go into their own worlds when that happens. And with a couple, I say to them, when I see them, there are three entities in front of me. There's each of you. And then there's a third entity, which is your relationship. Mm -hmm. And Pat does a wonderful job on working with couples to develop their relationship so that it becomes more safe and secure and so that they operate from a two-person system. And that mainly involves having your partner on on your radar, right? Mm -hmm. Keeping your partner on your radar. So it's not just about you. It's about you and your partner equally. One of the terms for that I think is really quite lovely is MWE, M-W-E, me plus we. Nice. Two persons this system, the focus is on the we. It's me plus we. How am I doing as we try to resolve this issue? And how are we doing within our relationship? Mm-hmm. So it's like our eyes are on us, but they're also on our partner. And that's mm-hmm. the whole co-regulation piece, right? Yeah. It's not just about me saying what I need to say in the way that I say it and the way mm-hmm. that I want to say it. But it's about me saying things in such a way that my partner can be heard, feel respected, understood as well, mm-hmm. and contribution. That's the two-person system. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what we want to move towards. Yeah. And this was a beautiful example of how couples, they, they really came in with this with, with a kind of North Star that they were heading to, which was this team, this idea of a team. I mean, they, they really had, they had so much language for where this goes off the track. And you could feel them trying to kind of almost embody the feeling of our nervous systems working together. Um, you could feel that, you could feel how, and you can feel how in certain ways, 
fraught that process is that you that it really is a process and it you really have to work through and i think having a 7 month old in the house who is you know dysregulating them all the time by getting them up at night by right. is, is she sick should we take you know should we give her tylenol or not you know i mean these are all the questions that stir up all these feelings and they are just really trying to figure out together how do we think yeah. as a team and there's no better right. training than a newborn right there are a lot of competing things going on a 15 year old a 7 month old work for both of them and family relationships. They're juggling a lot. But the important thing is to put the resources into them because they're, um, you can think of this as the king and queen of the kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. They're kind of the leaders of this tribe. And so they need to be in a really good place. If they're in a good place in their relationship, then they can regulate and manage the other things going on. It's a challenge. Because we know as researchers and as clinicians that the time in our life for couples when they have young children, it's really the most challenging time in their marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Or in their committed relationship. It's just the most challenging time because there's so many competing resources mm -hmm. and they're basically exhausted, right? Yeah. So this is really, really hard work to do, but it can be done. It can be learned and skills applied so that couples feel more collaborative. They're more of a team and a partnership. Mm hmm. I wonder if there were moments or ideas that you had about like, oh, Jason, I wish that you had had them do this kind of co-regulation thing at that moment, or this would have been a nice thing to do. Did you have ideas like that? I think the work you did was was really sound and they trusted you and they opened up to you. So you brought a lot of skills to this interview. I think, though, moving forward, you might have encouraged them to talk to each other more. Mm -hmm. So um, even though they kept their frame of face-to-face, eye-to-eye, skin-to-skin, they would often talk to you about their partner. So pack therapists, we'd quickly say something like, oh, well, tell her, tell him. So we, we're, they're able to start interacting with each other and we can actually see what their interaction looks like. And then we can facilitate that so that they're doing what we call secure functioning. Mm -hmm. Another thing that a packed therapist could do at some point is stage an argument with them. So have them pick a topic that's kind of prickly or sticky or a recent argument they had and then do it again, reenact it, right? Mm -hmm. And knowing what they do about being collaborative, trying to do it differently with, you know, with your assistance, with some of your feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that could be another thing that they would do. And then you could put them in a frame and have them co-regulate. Co so, um, you know, for example, you might say to the couple, are both of you in the window right now? And one of them might say, no, I'm really ramping up and getting loud. And you might say to the other partner, knowing what you know about this partner, what can you do to calm them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So these are all opportunities to work with a couple hands-on, live, right? So it's not just talking about it like we mm -hmm. do in therapy. From It's not just analyzing it and talking about it. It's mm -hmm. actually doing it, doing the work of secure functioning, doing the work of being mutual and collaborative and learning how to do that. Mm -hmm. um, that's mm -hmm. what I think is so dynamic about PACT. It's hands-on mm -hmm. work. Mm-hmm the thing that um, that I 
most wanted to provide, it's more of a softer place of just, okay, I can see that, that the other person becomes a puzzle that you have to solve and then you lose yourself. So let's really slow down or you guys really slow down and help Yael to express, or maybe she doesn't need help. Just give her the room to express what she's needing or what she's wanting to express right now. Absolutely. You can vary the height of their chairs, for example. You Mm -hmm. can make her chair a little bit higher, right? Mm -hmm. So she feels like she can express in a more assertive way. So slowing it down, giving it some space, getting out this anxious nervous energy, you can toss the ball to them and have them toss the ball back and forth. As a therapist can bring in a certain amount of playfulness to Mm -hmm. the scenario. But the goal is, again, for them to learn to co-regulate each other. Okay, we're ramping up. Let's kind of get back in the window. So this is what we do. And that brings me to uh, another topic for them, which I think would be helpful, which would be creating a vision or a purpose statement for the relationship and a vision of how they want to operate, right? Mm -hmm. We often do this impact. We ask couples, what do you stand for? And then other specific questions, things like, what competes for your relationship? How do you keep each other number one, Mm -hmm. right? How do you keep romantic love alive? What Mm -hmm. are our agreed upon principles or rules for handling conflict? How do we fight fair? What does that Mm -hmm. look like? And that way, when things are not going well in their communication, they know how to get back on track. Charlie yeah. and Yale specifically, why do you think that agreements come to mind or principles come to mind? Do you- it looks like they're operating from more of a one-person system. They do what they learn to do from their families of origin to be heard, right? And in many ways, it's defeating in this relationship. So they're adults. They've formed their own family. So now is the time to look, for example, at ways in which they were raised, what their values are, things that work for them, principles that they've embraced, bring Mm. that to the table, Mm -hmm. as well as letting go of some things that obviously don't work in their relationship, things that they've learned from the past that's not working here. Feel free to toss those, modify them, change them. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like developing a statement, this is how we're going to rock and roll. And this is a great way for us to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for what are those frames. I think for them, you know, a really nice frame. They, with with their older daughter, they had to manage his daughter's mother. So he, they really had to manage this. And then, and and now they have a daughter, and they really are building together in a different kind of way. They don't have as many competing resources now, and and so that's a nice frame for. Okay, great. So you're here. How do you want to do this? Let's start from here. What's going to be different? What do you want to keep? What's the thing, Charlie, that bothered Yael the most about how things were set up? Yael, what's the thing that bothers Charlie the most? I mean, going, you know, really, really helping them to articulate that. It's really great stuff. And some of my couples will actually do this in in session. You know, what are the, what are five things that you want to stand for as a couple? What do you want to be known for as a couple? If we are watching a movie of how you interact, what's the ideal movie look like, Mm -hmm. right? So we'll just do really basic things, you know, pick three to five things that are really important for you as a couple. And we weave this together, right? Uh It becomes a we, right? We, We kind of weave this together. 
uh, it becomes uh, their own tapestry of who they are and what their life is about. Some couples will actually outside of session build on that. And then they say, okay, we stand, for example, as being honest with each other. We value honesty. Then from that, you form agreements. Well, what does honesty look like in your relationship? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't hold back, right? Mm-hmm. We don't emit information. You're the first person to know. We tell each other everything, right? Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to put that principle in action. There's a mismatch of trauma history here. Did you have thoughts about working with a couple where one partner comes with uh, a bigger or smaller uh, trauma history? Yes. Yeah. Because we we both saw some trauma in each of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think Yale for not being seen and not being encouraged to express herself by her dad, which kept her small and that she's working on. Um, and, and then Charlie... Mom and dad were separated, biological parents in different countries. He was born in Mexico, father stayed in Mexico, came over here with an aunt, lived with a grandma. There's a period of time he didn't see his mom for two years. So there was a lot of disruption for Charlie in terms of primary relationships, right? And feeling that sense of security that children want to feel from their caregivers, right? That, mm-hmm. that a sense of feeling safe, a sense of being looked out after, a sense of feeling protected, a sense of feeling valued as a child. It's just, just very touching. And I really appreciated Charlie sharing that difficult experience when his mom left. He didn't know when she said she'd be back later that day and mm-hmm. didn't come back for four or five days. He was left with a stranger. I mean, can imagine that as a kindergartner, mm-hmm. how frightening that would be. Mm-hmm. And he brings that old trauma into his relationship with Yale because he that's why he, he has to be so protective of himself and look out for himself, right? Mm-hmm. And he definitely wants to feel that sense of safety in his relationship with Yale. And he picked well because she's a very, like I said earlier, loving, nurturing uh, kind of person. Mm-hmm. And she brings a lot of that to the relationship two points, their relationship can heal. This is so important. Mm -hmm. Whatever crap we bring to our relationships from our childhood, and most people have had difficult things, what we call little traumas, little T traumas or big T traumas, Mm -hmm. just don't escape childhood unscathed. We bring those hurts to the relationship. But the beauty of PACT is we find that how we are in our relationship can actually heal those old traumas can actually heal those old, old hurts. So they move more, instead of being in the foreground of the relationship, they move in the background. They become things of the past mm-hmm. that they can let go of. Because this relationship that they've created with our partner is a safe and secure one. And that's what really matters, the present. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be really important for any additional couple work that they do to focus on creating safety and security here. But I think for Charlie, too, or anyone else for Yale, for her trauma as well, would benefit from what we call EMDR. So hmm. I'm, I'm a trauma therapist as well as being a packed couples therapist. And I'm trained in doing EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Mm-hmm. It's a real mouthful. You can mm-hmm. go up online and look up, look about it. It was founded by Francine Shapiro, a psychologist. And she found through rapid eye movement that people were able to reprocess traumatic events 
So you still have the memory of the event. It's not hypnosis, but you don't re-experience the event in real time. Mm. It kind of files away that traumatic event. So you're not emotionally reacting to it in real time in your present relationships. For anyone impacted by trauma, I think in addition to doing the couple's work, which will do a bulk of this healing, if it's an issue that has a strong presence in their relationship, doing some EMDR with a, a trained therapist could also be helpful with the trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that, the refiling. We kind of put it in a place where it's there, it's it can be processed, but it doesn't interrupt current experience when you're trying to just, you know, decide who's going to, who's going to bathe the kid. And you see it can come from these early experiences. Mm. All trauma is unprocessed because our brain actually processes quite a bit of trauma, but Mm. there may be leftover trauma that creates PTS type of symptoms that Mm -hmm. show up in the relationship. And if that's what people are experiencing, EMDR is, is a great approach to use. I want to also bring up just one, but I think it's an important piece is the cultural part that is demonstrated in this relationship. So the influences of culture on their relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, So Yale coming from a family of father, her father's family came from Mexico, but they're third generation. So they're more acculturated to the culture in the United States. And then Charlie having been born in Mexico and then coming back and forth between the United States and Mexico, Yale's mom being Israeli, Mm -hmm. right? I actually don't think she was Israeli. I think she's Jewish, but she's not Israeli. That was my, because I had in an earlier, in the initial interview, Yale told me that she had taken a trip to Israel. I got confused. So she's, but she's Jewish, culturally Jewish, which is a different culture in the family for sure. Yeah. And then whatever culture the therapist comes from and that influence on the work itself. So I think it's really important to keep referring to that, to understand the cultural influences and bring that to the table again as part of maybe the purpose, the vision statement of who we are, what we bring, what's unique, Mm -hmm. what we value, what we want to retain, what's important to us. That's a really uh, important piece to acknowledge going forward. Yeah. And we got to that a little bit at the end. I said this thing, it sort of just popped out about Charlie doesn't want to lose something about where he comes from and that he's sort of in the, you know, there's this conflict between wanting to change and evolve, but also wanting to hold on to something that he knows in his soul is really important for him to not let go of. And that seemed like another area of uh, where, where real exploration within the couple seemed important. That was a a great insightful comment, I think, on your part, and a really neat place to pursue further. And the magic words for couples, and I think for therapists as well, are, tell me more. Mm -hmm. So what is this thing that you want to preserve? I'm curious, I'm interested. And for Yale to bring that stance to Charlie, I think is very healing. Because when you bring that stance, I don't think he has to go staccato. Uh I really want to know, I'm really interested. Uh-huh. You know, what you value, tell, tell me about that influence, right? And then for us as therapists, to be able to say that to our clients, if we're from a different culture, to be able to say, tell me more about that. I want to hear about that. You know, mm-hmm. I want to value that. 
so that becomes a way of shining in their relationship as well, that we bring these unique influences and we celebrate this diversity. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Before we wrap up, I just thank you for your time and for all of your wisdom and thoughts about Charlie and Yael. Is there anything you want to say to them or any final thoughts that you have just specifically sort of to them about what you saw um, and what you experienced um, in the interview? Yeah, I want to thank them for coming forward and uh, sharing themselves and aspects of their relationship with us. I think that was very generous on their part. So thank you to them for doing that. As I said, Yale and Charlie, that you have a lot of strengths and I would just keep going forward with that. You're starting to understand, I think, and hopefully this adds another layer to it, our observations, what the struggle is. And I'd say you want to resolve that and you're both worth it. Your relationship's worth trying to to resolve it and get to an even better place in your relationship. And so I say, just keep going, go for it. I'm hopeful and optimistic. They've got really good values and a lot of care and they work hard. And so I feel very optimistic about their future. So Yeah, they've created this wonderful family together. Okay. Well, wonderful. Thank you, Beth. And we'll see you soon. See you soon. Take care. I hope this was a satisfying workout for your couple's therapist brain and that you got a clearer sense of how we do our jobs. Join me next time for a second clinical interview with Charlene Yale. Thank you to both of them. Thanks to Beth, and thanks to you for listening.